0: You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast and I'm your host Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Last week, I created a poll on LinkedIn to gather some feedback about what people really wanted to hear about on these solo episodes that I'm doing. And overwhelmingly, the feedback was that people wanted to learn more about the future of work and the, the remote and hybrid working situation that is going to be the norm going forward. And the other area around boundaries. Now, those two were, in my mind, are quite interlinked. And so for this week's podcast episode, I'm going to be talking all about boundaries and how to set clear boundaries at work. So first of all, I'm going to talk about what are boundaries and how do you know when you have weak boundaries, the impact of not having boundaries at work, What to do as an individual and then even beyond that, if you are a people manager, what can you do as a people manager to make sure that you're you're maintaining your own boundaries but also that your team have effective boundaries as well. Throughout the episode, I'm also going to share examples of my own personal experience and also there are times when things can get a little bit muddy. So, you know, how to manage those kind of tricky situations as well. So starting out like what are boundaries you might hear people talking about boundaries and i was watching i think it was a tv show recently that said we've always had boundaries but they they were called something different in the past But now I think the the terminology is a lot more common these days. People are aware of boundaries and what they are and when their boundaries are being crossed. And I think the, the vernacular is a lot more common than it has been in the past. Essentially, boundaries mean where you end and another person begins and we can have Weak boundaries, we can have very solid, rigid boundaries that are a little bit inflexible, maybe, but then we can have those flexible boundaries um, and, and can be a little bit changeable and really where we want to be is not too rigid, but also not too weak. And if you're listening to this episode, it's very likely that either you have very weak boundaries or you want to understand more about other people who you perceive to have those weak boundaries and get a better understanding of maybe what's going on for them. And so the focus of this episode is about this idea of weak boundaries. And what I wanted to share initially is Well, what does that actually look like? Like, how do you know that you have weak boundaries? And really, it boils down to really a a real difficulty with saying no. And that can be saying no to your boss. It can be saying no to clients. It can be saying no to colleagues. It can be saying no to friends and family as well. So if, if issues like this crop up in your personal life as well, you might find that you have difficulty saying no to pretty much everyone. So it could be that it's a real issue around people pleasing. You don't want to let other people down and you're extending your own boundaries as a way of controlling or managing how other people perceive you and so that they don't get upset, but you really neglect to look at your own needs. And what is it that you really need? What you might find yourself doing, and I know certainly I have done this in the past, is you say yes to one thing, but then you go off on a side conversation with someone else and really complain about what's happened. Like, oh, the boss has given me extra work to do or the client is being really demanding when in fact you haven't understood your own boundaries or you haven't set a clear boundary with that person. And so you might find yourself complaining all the time, but you're not complaining directly to the person who has the ability to impact on whether or not you are working those long hours. And that's another symptom as well, that people can be working really, really long hours. And then as a result, they have this inability to really switch off from work. You might find it really difficult to ask for help, or you might, you might feel like you're being perceived as a little bit weak by asking for help. You may not question exactly what it is that you're doing or why it is that you're working on particular projects. With the global pandemic that we have experienced and still experiencing at the moment, what you might find is that your boundaries are much more difficult to complain because essentially you are living where you work. So you're living and working in the same location. As I mentioned in future, the the next solo episode that I do will be talking more about that remote working, hybrid working model and what that might look like. But considering where we've been for the last 18 months or so, it's been really difficult to switch off You know, so we didn't necessarily have those physical boundaries between work and home. And your laptop is there and it's maybe remaining open. You don't have that commute to break up the day to to clarify when the working day begins and when the working day ends. So these are all contributing factors as well to much poorer boundaries when we're working from home. At the end of the day, and as I mentioned at the start, it really boils down to this idea of people pleasing. So you're trying to please other people, often at the expense of your own needs. So you might end up feeling a lot of resentment. And that brings me on to the impact. So what is the impact of having weak or poor boundaries at work? As I mentioned, we tend, when we have poor boundaries, to work excessively long hours, and that can result in us burning out. So we just keep working and working and we have this inability to say no, and we feel compelled to keep working. And so we end up really burning the candle at both ends and burning ourselves out. Another way that we can be impacted is a really great sense of resentment. So you're holding a lot of resentment because other people are in control of the work that you do, other people are controlling the amount of time that you spend at work. And so you end up feeling a great deal of resentment for them. It can result in a lot of overwork. So we're doing much more work than than actually needs to happen. And this might be because we haven't had clear priorities. We don't understand the expectations of us. We don't understand what good enough looks like or we're just working long hours because we find it really difficult to say no when someone asks us to do something, or equally, we're getting pressure to continue working and to continue delivering high quality to clients with short deadlines. A very extreme example of this as well is resignation. So sometimes people will find it easier to resign rather than to learn how to say no to people. So they think that by changing their jobs, it's a much easier way than to to actually try to start to stand up for themselves, to understand what their boundaries are, what boundaries are being crossed and communicate those with people. It is an extreme example, but it's one that has been shared with me multiple times from various different clients where they would actually rather resign than to really set clear boundaries. And, and and in working with me, they're going into these new job situations, understanding a lot more about what boundaries are and what they need to do in the future to establish those clear boundaries and to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen in the future situation. Thinking about this then from a company's perspective, it has a huge impact on the well-being of employees, on the productivity. So if people are burning out and they're not able to work at the same levels that they were previously and resignations obviously cost organizations a lot of money. Interestingly, and anyone who's a regular listener of the podcast or who follows me on social media, I do talk an awful lot about imposter syndrome and it has kind of similar traits, you might say, where it can be grounded in people pleasing. But this inability to say no and to really manage ourselves better can have a huge impact. And and oftentimes people would much rather resign from a job than because of this fear of being found out as a fraud than to actually deal with their feelings and to talk openly about it, they would sooner resign than actually do that. So it's a really interesting parallel with imposter syndrome as well, I think. Now we're on to the more juicy element of what can we actually do about this? So what do we need to do? And as I mentioned, first of all, I want to talk about this from an individual perspective, and then I'm going to go on to talk about from a manager perspective, what what can you do? And I will be sharing examples from my own personal, mostly uh, from a corporate perspective, what happened when I was in corporate. So from an individual perspective, the first thing that you need to do is to clarify what your boundaries actually are. So understand yourself, what are your own boundaries? The second thing that you need to do is to communicate those boundaries. And the third thing that you need to do is to expect pushback because you can be absolutely certain that where you had no or unclear boundaries in the past, when you start to establish boundaries with other people, they are going to realize and they're going to start pushing back. I saw this really great meme and I would love to be able to attribute it. I'm not sure where it came from, but it said something like this. Those who complain about you having boundaries were the same people who benefited from you having none. So I want you to really, really think about that. The people who complain when you start establishing boundaries were the very ones who are benefiting from you having no boundaries at all. And so how do we clarify what our boundaries are? First of all, it's looking at, well, where do I feel that sense of resentment? Where am I complaining about what's going on? Where am I running away to someone else and saying, oh, well, did you hear that my boss gave me all this or the client is being really demanding? Like what? What specifically are those areas and really understand where they are so that that clarifies where the boundaries are being crossed for you, even if you're not communicating it, you're feeling it. You might be feeling it somewhere in your body. You're certainly feeling it in your mind, the impact that someone else is having on you. So identify that, first of all. The second thing that you need to do, as I mentioned, is communicate those boundaries. So where that is happening, you have to have to start having those conversations and saying, how can we find a balance here? Or simply saying no, finding a positive way to say no. And I will come on to that in a minute. So communicating those boundaries. And the the third element is to expect pushback. So if you go into this expecting that someone else is going to start pushing your buttons, is going to start pushing back now that you've established boundaries, then you need to prepare yourself for that. Prepare yourself mentally that you know that this is coming down the line. And, you know, what are you going to do in that situation? Are you going to negotiate? Are you going to go in with a higher demand than what you're willing to walk away with? Or are you going to become a complete and utter pushover and just bail on your boundaries and end up in the same situation that you were a second ago? I want to share this example of saying no. And interestingly, in my corporate career, this is something I learned very early on. Uh, Throughout my corporate career, I was responsible for managing clients. So we had client work coming in all of the time, more Laterally, in my career, I was managing people, but I wasn't necessarily managing the workload of those people. So when it comes to saying no, there are positive ways to say no. And and the most effective and the best way that I learned was if someone asks you to do something, then you look at everything else that's on your list of things to do. So, if a client is asking you to do something, you look at the list of things that you're doing for that client. If your boss is asking you to do something, you're looking at your list of things that the boss has assigned to you. And you say, okay, so if I add this additional thing to this list of things that I'm doing, something needs to come off. What are are the priorities now? Have the priorities changed? And you take something else off that list because. your work has been assigned. So you're looking at this is my workload for the week or this is my workload for the day or for the month, however you want to work it. And you say the priorities have changed. What needs to come off the list in order to facilitate this new thing coming on the list? And that's something I learned very early on in my career. And to probably to my detriment, I assumed that other people were using that type of methodology as well. And I will talk about this more in the manager side of things, where when I was managing people, I assumed that they were making those decisions for themselves, that they, you know, if they weren't managing their their clients properly, I, I I really struggled to understand why that was happening. From an individual perspective then as well, there are some things that you can ask yourself. So are the expectations clear? Do I know what is expected of me at work? Do I know what good enough looks like? Do I know how long something is going to take? Does my manager know how long something is going to take me to do? Ask yourself, do I need to attend this meeting? This is, I think, one of the top things that takes up most people's time is is back to back meetings or attending meetings that you didn't really need to be at. So question, do I need to attend this meeting? And if you if you stop attending meetings that you don't need really to be at, then you will have more time to do your work. The other thing that you can do is reduce the amount of time that you check your emails. So I know it feels scary because I do this and I, I get caught up in leaving my emails open. But if you change your day so that you're checking your emails just twice a day, so you're checking them in the morning, say at a specific time, 9.30, and you're checking them again in the afternoon, because let's remember, email was never designed to be something that is like an instant message. We can set boundaries around that. You can put an out of office on to say, and I've seen numerous people do this, put an out of office on to say, please expect a response within 24 hours. If you are a priority client, then you will get a response in X amount of time. I check my emails twice a day and even putting on your email signatures that you are sending emails at a time that's convenient for you and you don't expect a response from other people. So checking your emails twice a day, putting an out of office message on to manage those expectations so that people know not to expect an immediate response from you. The other thing that you can do, and I do this on my phone, my phone is pretty much on do not disturb all day long. I don't tend to use uh, because it's mostly me doing the work in my business. I tend not to use things like Microsoft Teams. But I do know that you can you can turn on do not disturb mode on those as well so that people don't kind of just drop in and start calling you unexpectedly or start messaging you when you're in flow and when you're trying to do work. So making use of all of those tools can be really, really beneficial to managing your boundaries as well. Just I suppose another thing on a general note on managing expectations around response times. How quickly should someone expect a response from you? And you get to manage that. So if typically you have been responding to emails within five minutes, you've set that expectation depending on how you manage your emails. Maybe you can set a reminder for 24 hours later that you can then have time to reflect on what it is that you want to say and respond to the email then or have set times throughout the day where you respond to emails. So like I mentioned, if you're checking emails twice a day, Maybe the first time you check them is to assign it to a particular client or it's to assign it to a particular type of reply that's required. And then the second time that you're checking emails is the time to actually write the replies and send the replies to the client. Another thing as well to think about is be aware of how you impact on other people's boundaries. So what are you doing and what expectations do you have? Are you expecting someone to reply to you instantly when you send an email versus if you send an instant message, which, you know, instant message implies that it's an instant response required. You're getting into a chat, whereas an email is more asynchronous. It doesn't require an immediate response. Also thinking about, especially as we move back into office working, this idea of just, I'm just dropping by for a chat, and I'm just dropping by your desk. And I know it's going to be a huge issue going forward because the temptation is there. We're seeing other people, we're seeing humans in an office environment and it's really nice and it's such a nice thing to do. But if it's having an impact on your ability to get your work done, then you need to communicate that boundary. You need to be aware of it and you need to communicate it. The other thing I want to talk about is this idea of physical boundaries. I don't want to go down the road of like the handshaking versus the the elbow touching and things like that. That's that's not what I'm talking about today. It's it's more the when we are working remotely, when we are working at home, creating those physical boundaries for ourselves so that we have a clear definition between when work begins and when work ends. And there are steps that you can take to do that. One that I heard, I think it was from Stephen Downey quite early on in the pandemic, and I loved this idea. was just having a morning commute, even if you're working at home. And that can mean something as simple as, leaving the house and going for a walk around the block for 10 minutes. It can be longer if you want, it can be shorter if you want, but actually physically leaving the house and then entering into the house again. And that's when your workday starts. And how you denote the end of the workday is you do the same thing. You leave the house, you pack up all your stuff, you leave the house and then you come back and the workday has ended. And I really, really like that idea. I think it's crucially important, and again, (laughs) I'm guilty of this as the next person, leaving my laptop open. It's there. You can just check an email quickly in the evening. You can just get something done quickly while you're watching the TV. But it all impacts on how well we are at work and how productive we are and how capable we are of actually delivering what it is that we want to deliver to the quality and the level that we have agreed. And so just by creating that physical boundary, by putting your laptop away in a place that you can't see it can make a huge difference when you're working from home. The other thing that I want to talk about and where things might get a little bit muddied in this area is things like and I've heard people say, oh, that's not in my job description and using that as kind of an excuse not to do something. And it can get muddied between I want to go above and beyond and I want to deliver higher than is expected of me because you might be trying to impress someone or you're going for a promotion or you just want to deliver a high quality. So that's where this kind of idea of boundaries could get a little bit muddled where on the one hand you're saying well that's not in my job description but I want to go above and beyond to deliver higher than expectations to a client and so that's really up to you to decide what what you're willing to do so are you using the job description as an excuse not to do something or do you want to go above and beyond and actually deliver beyond those expectations one last thing to bear in mind before I move on to talking about managers and what managers can do is this idea of don't forget that you can ask for help. Uh, If you need help, please ask for it and find a way that works for you, that you can ask for help. Who can you reach out to to get support from? Is that from a colleague? Is that from a manager? Is it from a mentor? Think about who you can get help from. If you're really struggling with setting those clear boundaries, who can you speak to about it? if you're really struggling with the workload that you have who can you seek out help from can you get additional help from your colleagues can you ask can you talk to your boss about managing deadlines or managing the amount of work that is expected in a given day listeners often get in touch with me to let me know what has resonated with them when they listen to the podcast some of the practical actions that they have taken as a result of listening and To me, that really, really means the world because it shows that the work I'm doing is having an impact. But they also wonder how can they actually work with me on a deeper level? And that's why I wanted to share with you today. And I don't often do this. I don't often talk about the work that I do, but I'm launching a new program called Imposter to Empowered, and I would love to tell you more about it. You can go over to the website impostorsyndrome.ie if you want to find out more about what imposter syndrome actually is and the steps that you can take and find out more details about the program. Imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that it really holds you back from putting yourself forward from opportunities that people will judge you and think that you're a total fraud, that you have no idea what you're talking about. But also you think that other people think that you are better than you actually are and that you somehow have pulled the wool over their eyes all this time. It can happen when things like we start a new job, we get promoted to a managerial position, we starting out in our careers, or we've reached a level that we f- think we should feel a little bit differently. We feel like we should have it all sussed out now at this time, but that's not always the case. And this nagging feeling is still there. So with this program, it's a six week online program with interactive group coaching sessions With this program, the aim is to identify what your imposter is saying and take some really practical steps towards managing and overcoming your inner imposter. If you want to know more, like I said, head to the website syndrome.ie or feel free to reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, and I look forward to working with you on a deeper level to manage and overcome your inner imposter. I wanted to share another personal example as well of a time where I felt my boundaries were crossed. And I worked in an organisation who dealt with clients. And there was a very clear question when I started working there. Would you work on this type of client? And I thought it was a strange question, but I thought it's really great that they're asking those questions. So they had the option that you could opt not if you didn't want to, if it, if it wasn't aligned with your values, you could work on, uh, you didn't have to work on an alcohol client or you didn't have to work on a cigarette client. Now, for me, I had no problem working with an alcohol client. I worked in an alcohol business quite early on in my career. So I thought, you know, I have no problem working on an alcohol client. That's fine. But I really, really did not want to work on a cigarette client. And so I said that, you know, in in the questionnaire, I said I don't want to work on a cigarette client. Fast forward a few years, the company was kind of stuck. They didn't have anyone to work on this specific cigarette client. So they asked me to step in and I said yes, when I really should have said no and I did. You know, and you can probably hear it. My voice is still held on to that resentment. I should not have even been asked that question to begin with. That's the whole purpose for establishing those boundaries at the start. But then they they trampled all over those boundaries. But equally, I didn't maintain my boundaries. I didn't say actually, no, I don't want to. And I probably did say no at the start. But then I caved and I thought, well, there there are in real need and, I, you know, again, it's putting the needs of someone else before the, before my own needs and before my own values. So I wanted to share that, that it's it can be really, really tough when you find yourself in those situations and I can look back at that now and I can understand more about what was going on for me. So I wanted to just share that as a personal reflection of how boundaries look in reality. Now, moving on to managers. And I suppose thinking as as a manager, your job really is to empower employees and to give them the autonomy. And you know anyone again who listens to the podcast on a regular basis knows uh, when I talk about autonomy, you can have too much autonomy and you can have too little. So when you have too little autonomy, you, you're being micromanaged, essentially, you're being micromanaged and you're being told what to do. You have no sense of choice or, or control over what it is you do or how you do it. And, and that in itself can feel frustrating. That can feel like a violation of your boundaries as well, if you're just being told what, what it is that you should be doing. You can equally have too much autonomy. So you're lacking that guidance. You're lacking that clarity. You're you're lacking the expectations of what it is that you should be doing. And so sometimes as a manager, if you if you think that you've created that right environment, so you have found that right balance between you're not micromanaging people and you've given them the guidance, you've set clear expectations and you're empowering them. But sometimes as a manager, it's really hard to see that as an employee, it's difficult to say no to a manager. So when you set those tasks or when you set those expectations, be aware that you're in a position of authority, you're in a position of power. And even if you feel like you've created this wonderful environment, this safe environment where people are free to say no, they may not feel comfortable saying no. So you've created this, what you perceive to be, a great environment, but make sure that your employees feel safe enough to talk to you about what's going on. So that that is something to really, really consider as a manager. Have you created that safe environment? Are people speaking up when they have problems with the workload, when they have problems with saying no to the clients? Some questions that you can ask yourself then is, "Would well, do I manage the workload? So when I work with clients, They'll say things like, oh, no, I'm in control of my workload. And then it transpires. Actually, their workload is very much managed by what their manager gives them or what their manager allows them. Or the manager is taking on work from the client on their behalf. And I know I've certainly had that in the past where someone has said yes to something and then delegated the work to me. But I actually didn't have time to do the work. And I ended up working you know crazy hours to deliver on something that someone else had promised so as a manager do i manage the workload am i responsible for it have i communicated expectations clearly to my team so what are those expectations do i even know the expectations of myself and have i set those expectations clearly for the people who i work with Some of those expectations might be what does good enough look like? So when you're talking about good enough and delivering quality to clients, what does that actually look like? Have you clearly defined what's good enough versus what's going way over, above and beyond? So what is it that you're actually delivering at the end of the day? Have you learned to delegate effectively? So from a a manager perspective, do you have too much work on? And is there a way that you can delegate some of the work? Are you keeping the work to yourself because you think that other people maybe won't deliver to the same high standards that you have? Are you holding on to the work because you don't have time to delegate it? And I have been in both of those situations. So think about is it you that's holding on to the work and not delegating it to someone else who might be able to take it on in your place? Have you prioritized what needs to be done? So that's focusing on the right things. Do you know the right things that you should be working on that are going to make a difference in the business that you're working in? So thinking about, Not, you know, moving away from that busy work that takes an awful lot of time. Is there someone else who can do that? Have you focused on what really needs to be done in the business? And and I think the difficulty with prioritization, especially when we're overworked, especially when we have loads of stuff going on, is we think it's going to take too much time to take a step back and really assess all of the things that we have going on, when in fact simply by doing the exercise of taking a step back, looking at everything you have going on and prioritising it, it helps us to reduce that feeling of overwhelm. It helps us to think about what are the things that are really important? What should I be working on? And what are the things maybe that is the busy work that I don't necessarily need to be working on? So it's definitely something to bear in mind. Have you looked at prioritisation? Have a think about what else you can do to support your team as well. So is your team struggling with the amount of work that they have on? And as I mentioned, I was oblivious to this as an issue very early on in my career. I learned how to effectively say no to clients. That's not to say that I didn't say yes sometimes when I want really wanted to say no, when I really didn't have the time. You need to think about balancing the idea of and I heard this a really great example. So it's it's the difference between saying yes to something and and that what you're also saying yes to is a lower quality of product. So if you know that you can't deliver in that short time scale without sacrificing some of the quality that's associated with what you would normally deliver you have to know that that's also what you're saying yes to so you're saying you're saying yes to a short deadline and maybe think of it as a way of you're saying no to the to the high quality and if that's something you're happy with you need to also communicate that as well so it's not just about what you deliver it's the the level of quality that you're delivering as well And so for me, having learned that early on throughout my career, I assumed that other people were able to do that as well. And so maybe have a think about what assumptions do you have about how other people are managing their workload? Are they doing something differently to you? Can you share your own experiences of what works for you when it comes to managing workload, when it comes to saying no to clients, when it comes to saying no to colleagues or a boss? What can you do to support and to help other people? As I mentioned, the idea of this, you know, here's my list of priorities that I'm working on, if you're giving me something additional to work on, then something needs to come off this list. We need to rejig these priorities and if if what you're giving me now is not a higher priority than everything else I have on my list, then I can't take it on because I have a limited amount of time to complete this work and that's all I have. So to me, that has been the most effective way to say it's a positive way of saying no. It's not just an outright no. It's asking someone else to prioritize what is the most important thing that needs to be done. And so it's not resting on you to decide this is what the priority is. If someone else is making that decision, it's it's firmly putting that decision in their area of responsibility. So coming to the end of another podcast and I've surprised myself yet again by talking for a lot longer on a subject that I didn't think I was speaking this long. I always think I'll be probably speaking for about 15 minutes or so. But there's a lot to cover in this area of boundaries. And I just wanted to recap the things that we talked about. So we talked initially about what are boundaries and it's where you end and another person begins. And if you're listening to this, it's likely that you have those weaker boundaries. But how do you know that you have those weak boundaries? It could be that you have trouble saying no, that you're going off and you're complaining, you're feeling this sense of resentment and ultimately you're people pleasing. The impact that it can have on work, we can work too many hours, we've got overwork, we've burning out, we've got a feeling of resentment and then the extreme case of resignation. I talked about what you can do as an individual and what you can do as a manager. And really, it boils down to identifying what those boundaries are, communicating those boundaries clearly, And does that mean that you're saying no and finding an effective way to say no to what it is that you don't want to do or can't do physically, but also going in with the expectation that you're going to get pushback from people where you didn't have boundaries previously, you're going to get pushback and anticipating that in advance and being able to manage that in advance is really, really useful as well. Something to have a think about is the impact that you are having on other people's boundaries as well, whether you're an individual, whether you're a people manager, so have a a think about that as well. The next solo podcast episode is going to be all about remote working and hybrid working and the context of the future of work and what that looks like and how do we get that right. So I'm looking forward to sharing my insights with you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website, happieratwork.ie.